time for the Retirement Roadmap Podcast with registered financial consultant, Glenn Mosseller. Hey, it's another edition of the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. We've got a great show on the way today. We're going to be talking about some of the investment terms that you should know. If you've got any questions for Glenn, you can always reach out at RoadmapFinancial.com. Glenn's the founder and president of Roadmap Financial Consulting, serving you throughout the Greensboro area. But obviously, uh, these days, clients come from everywhere, as uh, people can listen to this show from anywhere, Glenn. And uh, we live in a more connected world these days, that's for sure. Uh, We're going to get into the main topic in just a moment, but Glenn, First, how are you this week? I'm doing well, Walter. How about yourself? Good. good. Doing great. Uh, ready for this conversation with you because, you know what, Glenn, even though I've hosted this show with you for many years, I still feel like there are terms that we come across in the financial landscape that still catch me by surprise or I can't quite remember what it means. Even the ones that come up often, uh, we kind of sometimes, okay, well, what, what does that mean again? Or maybe what does that mean for me again? Like, how do I put that into context for my own situation? And so I want to spend a little time on today's show kind of circling back. Maybe we're going to cover some basics again on today's show. If you're a new listener, this will be a great starting episode for you. We're not going to go down some crazy rabbit hole, Glenn, and talk about necessarily things as specific as P.E. ratios and what alpha and beta ratings mean and that kind of things, right? We're, we're going to keep things at a little bit higher level, and but focus on some really important investing terms that people should know. You ready to hit the ground running? Yeah, let's do it, Walter. All right, so we've got a a list of uh, five terms to cover on today's show. If you can have a good understanding of these five things, well, you'll be in pretty good shape as you start to prepare for your retirement journey. So the first one I want to pick is a, uh, a big one here, Glenn. It's diversification. This seems very subjective, right? Like a lot of people can have different definitions of, of what that really means. Help us understand that financial jargon. Well, I, I, I mean, that's you're exactly right, Walter. I mean, it's all and you know how you hear it and what you're what you've learned. You know that that term means and and you know what's the context, right? I mean, a lot of folks think of diversification as you know within their portfolio for you know like the, the maybe different asset classes or, or sectors of the market, and they want to have some here, some there. Maybe some, uh, you know, some equity holding, some bond holding, some foreign, you know, and, and, you know, and then they want to look at different sectors, you know, maybe tech, you know, maybe some technology and may have financials. And, you know, that's obviously just scraping the surface. There's, you, know, you, you could go through a much more exhaustive list. But typically, you know, the idea of diversification comes to those types of things for a lot of folks. And, you know, and, and that's, I think, probably a good starting place, especially when you're in the accumulation phase of, of, of your financial life and your, you know, your journey as you're saving money for retirement and you're trying to build up your, your nest egg and save as many dollars as you can for retirement. And then, you know, you, you, as you transition towards the, you know, those, those retirement years or the years just prior to, you know, you know, become, you know, going into retirement, you know, I, I like to think that there are some other types of things that I, that I like to call, you know, retirement diversification, right? And we've talked about these things on, on some other episodes, but, you know, we start thinking about, you know, well, if you're accumulating and you're saving for retirement, that's one thing. But if you are, if you start to transition to preservation and distribution, you know, mode, you have to start thinking a little bit more as like, okay, well, you know, up to this point, I've been putting money in, right? And so, you know, how am I now going to start to draw money out when, you know, for retirement, i.e., you know, have a sustainable income and those kinds of things. And so we have to start thinking of a, of a number of things, you know, obviously markets go up and down, right? And so there's volatility there. And, you know, and, and, and the idea is, is that you're, as you're putting money away, you know, it's just like you typically are not, you know, 
not really pulling money out in most cases in, in that situation. But, you know, when, you know, when markets go down, there's a, there's a, there's a buying opportunity when you're in the accumulation phase, you know, cause you can buy at lower prices, but when you're in the phase of, you know, you're trying to preserve or you're starting to take distributions out, you know, that could be a problem. It's just like, if you're having to take money out or, you know, you need, you need to take money out either because that's part of your plan or you have required distributions of some sort, then, you know, if, if you're, if you're taking money out while markets are down or while your account value is down, you know, that's, that's, that's a problem. And so we have to start thinking in terms of how can, how can you arrange your, your accounts in such a way that you're not exposed to that. And so I start thinking in terms of, you know, retirement diversification. The, one of the first steps is, is, you know, is, is diversification in timeframes, right? Segmenting your money into, you know, into like a now, you know, a now bucket, a, you know, a soon bucket and a later bucket where, you know, you have your now bucket is the things that you need over the next year or two, right? You know, and that maybe the next six months that you need, you know, immediately. So, you know, you're, you don't want to really have, you know, any, any type of volatility there. It's just basically money that's sitting in the bank, right? That's ready and accessible. You, then you've got, you know, the, the soon bucket, you know, probably over the next, you know, five to 10 years. Again, you're, you, you're wanting to make sure that that, that, that money is is less volatile right because you don't want to have to be forced to take distributions when those account values are down so you 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 know you you have to you know start to think well how am i going to position those dollars what financial products or what types of investments can i can i move to there with that type of money and then there's the then there's the longer term money maybe 10 years and longer you know so that's a different type of diversification another type of diversification might be and this and this would come into play whether you're in retirement or as you're saving for retirement and that's you know the, the the tax diversification right you know there's different ways of thinking about that too you have taxable accounts you have tax deferred accounts you have potentially tax-free accounts and so there's you know you want to make sure that you're that you're saving the appropriate amount of money into each of those buckets so to speak or those those types of accounts you know a taxable account is you know how what we would think of that is is that that's money that you that's already been taxed maybe it's sitting in a bank account earning interest and in which that interest could be subject to taxation or if it's in an ordinary you know regular brokerage account where it might be subject to dividends and capital gains and possibly interest and that's you know that's going to be treated you know that a lot of those kinds of things can be taxed every year where you get a 1099 for it you know, you have tax deferred where you, you know, you're putting money away. Typically it's wages, right? You're putting money into that 401k or a traditional IRA and you're agreeing with the government that you're not going to be taxed on it now, but you're going to be taxed on it when you draw it out. And then, you know, and so there's, you know, you want to think in terms of, well, how much money do I want to have in that bucket? Do I want to have lots of money in that bucket or, you know, or should I have the vast majority of it there? Should, you know, is, is there a way of figuring that out? You know, is in mathematically there actually there actually is a way of, of, of kind of determining where you can be in terms of having the optimal amount of money in, in there so that you don't get overtaxed in your retirement. And of course, you know, we, we have the idea of, you know, tax-free or the Roth accounts and, you know, and several other types of insurance types of accounts that might be out there to create that tax-free bucket of money. So it's a different way of thinking, but it's, again, it, it still comes back to that, to that idea of diversification, Walter. You know, we, we want to make sure that we, we don't have all our eggs in one basket. And that, that goes beyond just, 
just regular, you know, asset allocation and the typical ways of, of thinking about diversification. Such a big, important uh, piece of the retirement and financial puzzle, and uh, that's why we need to definitely spend time understanding that piece of jargon, uh, diversification, because I guess jargon does have sort of a negative connotation to it, right? Like uh, that, that that's why it's so important that we need to uh, kind of differentiate. This isn't just a throwaway term. This is an important one to understand. So we need to turn it from jargon into something that we actually get, that we understand, that we kind of understand how it impacts us individually. So that's a really big one. Uh, anybody who enters the retirement planning space, Glenn, and works with an advisor or even thinks about working with an advisor is going to come across the word fiduciary at some point. And it may be a word that they haven't encountered really in other parts of life. So this one's a good one to throw into the list as well. Break down fiduciary for us. Right. Well, Walter, that's been one of those buzz terms that's been out there in the, you know, in the media and in the, in the conversation for, you know, for some time now, right? And, you know, different, different laws, you know, got proposed, passed, and then overruled and changed around. And, and so it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks around that. But in, in the simplest terms, if you're working with a fiduciary, a fiduciary simply means that, you know, and, and, and it's just a, you know, just the raw definition is, is that you have an advisor who's working in your best interest, period. That is a fiduciary, and then there's certain um, certifications and licenses that are that are there. You know, typically, a, you know, a registered investment advisory firm, you know, is a fiduciary type of firm versus a brokerage house. You know, and you know, and you want to kind of make make sure that you know, you know, of what who are you working with, and you know, and and what you know, what is that arrangement that you have with them? Are they working on a suitability standard or a fiduciary standard? You know, fiduciary standard is you know, it's just like you know, it's 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 more, it's more of a basic, you know, idea. It's just like, you know, they might ask you a few questions about, you know, well, you know, do you feel comfortable investing, you know, here and taking this much risk? And they don't go into any more, you know, a lot more detail than that. And there's, you know, a couple questions here and there. And it says, okay, well, this investment could be suitable for you, you know, and so that's, that's one standard. And then the fiduciary is, is, you know, going to go in much more depth as to, you know, who you are and, you know, as a, as an individual, as a couple, you know, what are, what are your needs and what are your plans? And, you know, and, and, you know, you know, far, far deeper and really understanding what do you need to have happen with your money? And it's more of a planning process and making sure that that, you know, what what's what's happening along the way there is truly in your best interest. And, you know, and and, and so that you're on the same page and it's in uh, the way I look at it, it's, it's it's more like, you know, you and your advisor are working as a team. Right. And the underlying principles, you know, around the, the game that you're playing, so to speak, is, is that, you know, it's it's what let's 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 make sure that we're winning the game for you and we're playing the game by the rules that you want to play by i.e. what is your comfort level you know what are your objectives you know you know we want to make sure that 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 all the i's are getting dotted and the t's are getting crossed and the whole conversation is about what's right for you all important pieces of the puzzle there and fiduciary make sure you understand that one uh, no doubt about it. All right, so diversification down, fiduciary down, and like I said, you can't enter the retirement planning world without some mention of the word risk, and more specifically, some jargon that sounds a little bit like risk tolerance. So it's kind of what it sounds like, right? Like tolerating risk. What is your risk tolerance? How much can you tolerate it? But I know that this is a conversation that hits at the heart of the planning that you do, Glenn. 
Well, it is Walter, and you know, and so that that you know, again, it, it's you know that that becomes a you know kind of an individual type of thing, and then you have to look at it as a family unit, you know, a household. You know, Mister might have one you know uh, one idea of how much risk that, that can be tolerated, and Mrs. might have another. You know, and you have to think in terms of when you're when you're doing you know, you know that kind of planning that is like you're you're taking everything into account, right? But there's you know there's 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 lots of different there's lots of different risks out there, and I like to kind of spread it out a little bit more than just market ups and downs, although that's an important thing. And we need to kind of think in terms of where are you in life if you're if you're in your early, you know, you know, saving and accumulation years, you know, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you know, that's one thing. And, and your risk tolerance, you know, you might be a little bit more aggressive and looking more and more for growth. As you get closer and closer to the retirement years, you know, you, you, you may be, you know, you really can't have as much volatility, particularly, particularly, you know, when you're in the money that you're going to need in the you know in the in the you know short and medium term like we were talking about earlier in terms of you know segmenting the money into the diversification of your you know of your of your time buckets right you know your your now bucket and your soon bucket you know and you might have you might actually segment your risk tolerance to you know to those buckets right your you know your long term bucket at ten year you might you might you know continue to be pretty aggressive with that right but as you as you get more towards the hey this is the money that I need to have you know over the next while I need to make sure that I can rely on that, right? And, you know, or you know, you and your you and your spouse as as regular, you know, sustainable, reliable income. So you have to think in those terms. It's like, well, where are you in life, right? So there's 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 that type of risk, and and you have to you know moderate that, or it's you know typically wise to moderate that as you know as you're in, moving into those retirement years. There's also you know there's also other risks. I don't know if we can technically call it risk tolerance, but it's just like I it's almost like what I would call you know you know, risk blind spots a, a little bit. And because people so sometimes are, they're taking on risk that they don't realize that they're taking on. And maybe in the back of their mind, they're, they're, they're there, you know, but for me, when I'm thinking about retirement and the retirement years, there's, there's there are those risks of, What's going to happen as you start taking money out of your accounts? Not only in terms of you know you know market ups ups and downs and your and your account values you know you know changing and, and being in a variable type of you know account, but also in terms of how is it going to be treated when it comes out? You know, in, in, in terms of taxation, what kind of a what kind of tax risk are you taking? Do you have too much money in in one type of an account? i.e. everything is going to be when if you draw money out is is all of the money that you have going to be treated as as ordinary income and if you end up having to take out you know so sizable amounts of money either because of your lifestyle or because of required minimum distributions is it going to cause unintended consequences you know to maybe cause your social security to get taxed or, or other things or drive you into a higher uh, higher tax bracket you know are there are there risks that that are that you're not really addressing in terms of long-term care you know and it's like you know that that is kind of one of those risk tolerance because there there are folks that I talk to when they say you know what you know I know that the, that we're running that risk but we're just we're gonna gonna kind of roll the dice and you know and we'll we'll go into deep conversations about that it's just like you, know, you really you really need to address that or have some sort of a hedge you know to you know to guard against you know the, those long term care events but. You know, some people are willing to tolerate, you know, an, an awful lot, and 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 they then they don't want to, you know, allocate money in that direction. So that is that should be part of that conversation too, in terms of in terms of risk tolerance, particularly again with where are you in life, and you know, what phase of life are you in, and what risks do you have that you may not have had in an earlier time in, in your in your financial planning life. 
Makes a lot of sense. That's another good one to uh, have on the list. So three big ones so far, diversification, fiduciary, risk tolerance. What about dollar cost averaging? I feel like I've heard that talked about a little bit more recently, Glenn. Right, right. Well, you know, I think most people have a pretty good idea of what that means, you know, in its basic terms is the idea that, you know, when you're putting money away as you're saving for retirement, you know, I mean, well, obviously a lot of folks like to be able to buy low and they, and they like the idea of buying low and selling high. And that, of course, obviously makes all kinds of sense. But if you're on a if you're on a, a sustained path of many years and many decades of saving, you know, for retirement, the idea is is that you you know you, you're you know if you're if you're consistently putting money away, and sometimes you're going to buy it at, at high prices, sometimes you're going to buy at high at, at prices that are that are kind of more in the you know in the middle of the of the of the, of the road, so to speak, maybe fair value, and then other times when when markets are way down and you you're you're, you're buying it you know at, at lower prices and you're able to buy more shares in that situation. But the idea is that, that if you're consistently putting money away, you're going to dollar cost average into that with, you know, with all the different prices and consistently, you know, is, you know, saving and saving and saving. And so that is the that is the idea that, 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 that you know, that don't get caught up. It's like, well, I'm only going to invest when I feel comfortable, you know, and, and a lot of times most most people feel most comfortable when things are at, at highs and all the news is good, right? But the reality is, is that it's all, you know, it's, it's, it's good to, it's good to be able to buy things as as they're low so it's, it's almost like they're on sale right so you know but but at the same time it's like if you go to the grocery store i mean you're going to maybe go shopping but at the same time you know when you're going shopping you know you're going to look for bargain prices but there are certain things that you have to, you know if you're if you're going to have a normal life you're going to have to buy some things at regular price and so that's kind of the idea is, is that you're you know that you're that you're having to deal with that but the, the the key is is that you save consistently through time at all the different price levels and just make sure that you know you're you're averaging in you know through time and being consistent then the other side of that is is that which is uh, something that I don't think is talked about enough is and there's a term that I I don't know if it's a technical term or not but I kind of call it reverse dollar cost averaging and that is when you're actually in retirement and instead of putting money away for retirement and saving for retirement you're actually in retirement and now you're drawing money out of those accounts you know to live on that, that's not, that's now your source of income for you right and so you know you got to be really you got to be really cognizant and aware of you know where prices are and and what the values are in your accounts because you know now all of a sudden this is a risk that you didn't have when you were when you were um, when you were saving for retirement. In fact, when you were saving for retirement, if markets dropped and you know and, and there was it was you know it was bad news out there. Well, you know it, being able to buy more shares at lower prices is one of the really neat things about being able to dollar cost average and saving for retirement. But now you have the you know the the exact opposite happens if you haven't segmented your money you know in a in a, in a proper way and thinking in terms of time frames, you know, like the, the, the now and the soon buckets of money like we were talking about a little earlier, if everything is exposed the same way to all the ups and downs of the market, well, now all of a sudden when you're having to draw money out, you're, you might be forced into a situation where you're having to sell at low prices to be able to then turn some of those assets into cash and to be able to bring those out for income. So you got to be really aware of that because it's a double-edged sword. And most people think of only the, the saving side of dollar cost averaging, but there's the other side of it when you're, when you're drawing money out. And so that's, that, that, that gets us into how some of these, these, these terms and this jargon, so to speak, you know, kind of the, the, these, these terms interact. And it's really important 
important to, to understand what we mean by retirement diversification and dollar cost averaging and reverse dollar cost averaging. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the you know, the idea with with our conversation this week, isn't it, Walter? Oh, it's a huge uh, a huge issue, I think, Glenn, and why it deserves again so much attention with these other terms that we're discussing on today's show. And great that you point out the fact too that this it works in both directions, right? The dollar cost averaging, but don't forget about the reverse dollar cost averaging, um, as you've got kind of the the coming and the going part of that equation. So that's a big one. Last but not least, our fifth term to cover on the show today. We're going to kind of cheat and do three terms all at once here, Glenn, uh, but they're all sort of related and cousins of one another. And it's also kind of just a comparison game. So we've got 401ks, IRAs, and Roth IRAs. Help break down that jargon and the differences between them. So, Walter, I think most folks are relatively familiar with 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 those with those terms. There's certainly all of those are are forms of retirement accounts, right? Saving for retirement. You know, typically your traditional 401k is you know is, is like a is like a company sponsored plan. You know, you're you're allowed to put more money in into that than you would be able to, to in terms of a, on an annual basis. In, you know, in terms of contributions versus an IRA or a Roth IRA. A lot of companies now have actually have Roth 401ks as well. You know, and the and the Roth portion is is that you're putting you pay the tax first and then you put the money into the account. And in that scenario, what ends up happening is is that since you've already paid the taxes, you will not pay taxes on that money again, nor will you pay taxes on the money that it that, that money earns, assuming that you follow, you know, there's there's a there's a five year rule. We won't go into all the details of that, but but in, in general terms, most people are gonna be in in those accounts for more than five years before they're really starting to draw money out anyway. But the idea here is is that you're saving money in the 401k, the 403b, whether you know those types of accounts that are that are that are sponsored by the by the employer are ways of being able to you know to put you know significant amounts of money in you know to your retirement accounts and you know and save for retirement. The IRAs is more of an individual retirement arrangement or an individual retirement account. Where you're, you know, where that's beyond that's beyond the employer. Some folks don't have an employer plan at, at their job, and they only have the the option of you know of of an IRA or a Roth in terms of these kind of qualified accounts, so to speak. You know, and so the traditional IRA or or what's termed as an IRA is pre-tax dollars, just like the four hundred one k is pre-tax dollars, but the Roth is after tax, like we were just talking about, and so. The idea here is is that you know we, we we need to understand what they are and how they work and typically you know the, the biggest piece of what we're what we're talking about is is how is the money going to be treated in terms of taxation are you going to be taxed on it before it goes into the account or you know after it comes out of the account and and so it, again we as we were talking about in terms of diversification it's important to not only understand you know what it means to put money into a Roth account or to a traditional account or a pre-tax account, but we also want to kind of understand. It's like, well, okay, well, what is the optimal amount of money that we want to put into into a traditional IRA or a pre-tax account or a pre-tax four hundred one k versus versus a Roth? You know, some folks think in terms of, well, you know, I understand that Roth is after taxes, and then if the money grows, you know, tax-free, and I get to pull it out, well, that's going to always be better. And you got to be careful with the terms you know, always and never because there's always exceptions to those rules, right? 
I mean, think about it. It's like if you, you know, not everybody is really super familiar with the tax return, but at the same time, I think most people understand the idea of on the tax return, you, you know, you add up all of your income and then you have deductions, right? And, and when you add up all of your income, you know, you, you, you finally come to a line on the tax return that says that this is your adjusted gross income. And then you have a line on your tax return that says deductions, right? And, and those are either itemized or standard deductions. And after those deductions are, are subtracted away from the adjusted gross income, now you have your taxable income, right? And so for a married couple, you know, that's, you know, that's, it's greater than $20,000 of, of, of a standard deduction. If you itemize, you might be able to have more than that, right? Well, if everything you have in your retirement accounts is entirely tax-free and you don't have anything that's going to be subject to taxation, then what, what does that mean? What that ultimately means is, is now you're going to end up with you know, zero money on the adjusted gross income, you might have cash flow, you might have tax-free cash flow, and that's nice. But if your adjusted gross income, you know, shows up as a zero because you've made all of your money tax-free, then that means you have over 20-some thousand dollars as a married couple of deductions that just went to waste, right? Because if you had, if you had the same amount of money on, you know, the same amount of dollars on your adjusted gross income line, and you had, as you had on your deductions, then they would literally cancel each other out and your taxable income would still be zero. So you wanna kind of think, it's like, well, how can we plan and, and put money away in such a way that, that we can optimally take advantage of the deductions as well as, as, well as the, you know, the, the tax-free accounts? So you wanna have some money that's gonna be subject to taxation so that you can utilize those deductions, but you wanna have a, you know, some other amount of money beyond that that, that, that gives you the tax advantages of being tax-free. And that's where we get into that type of diversification and that kind of a planning process that, you know, really helps if you, you know, if you, if you have an advisor who, who understands how that works and can help you do that type of diversification and really understand how these different types of accounts work in terms of saving as well as as you're, as you're taking money out. And it's like, you know, the, the, the accumulation phase, the preservation phase, and of course the distribution phase. Great breakdowns on all of those, Glenn, and I know that uh, we've just scratched the surface of understanding some important pieces of financial jargon, but a great start on today's show for anybody who might be new to these terms, new to the planning world, or just needed the reminders on today's episode. So there you have it. If you'd like to learn more about these terms, about how it impacts your own financial plan, and some of the other important things that you should know about preparing for retirement, get a complimentary review, a free consultation of your plan by calling 336-291-3535. That'll put you in touch with Glenn and the team at Roadmap Financial Consulting, or you can go to the website roadmapfinancial.com, and no matter where you are, you can uh, schedule a time to meet with Glenn for that in-person review in the office in Greensboro, North Carolina, or virtually. It's at roadmapfinancial.com. Just click on free consultation at the bottom of the page. We'll put a, uh, a link in the uh, description of today's show where you can find that as well. Glenn, thank you for the help and the guidance on these terms today. Really appreciate it. And we'll look forward to a new show next week. Fantastic, Walter. Take care. You as well. That's Glenn Mosseller and Walter Storholt. We'll see everybody next time right back here on the Retirement Roadmap Podcast. Mm-hmm. 